0: He's a well-respected high school football scout Known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary The coach, Keith Miller He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst
1: Craig Craig Biggins Together they bring
0: you the transparent truth The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews The transparent truth (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha, welcome, welcome You're now listening to the transparent truth It's your boy, Coach Keith I'm in the building, y'all. Intercom studios in the miracle mile. Not in studio, but I got him on the line. He's a goat. Greg Biggins GB, what it do? Keith, how are ya? I'm, I'm doing, a, I'm, doing, a, I'm, doing you? A, I'm doing okay. You sound like uh you've had a long weekend. Uh, you know, a little uh a gas, a little short in the tank. But a uh bet little bit. Hey, this is called Bounce Back Tuesday. We're recording. We'll power through it. No doubt. We're recording live on Tuesday. And you know one thing I'm getting tired of, GB, before we get started? I'm getting tired yeah. of going to go pay for my monsters at the store. They're costing me about five bucks a day for two. I'm not feeling great about that. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't go get me one this morning just because, you know, I'm doing the whole Nike thing. I'm boycotting.
1: Forget them. Forget Monster. Yeah. Boycott it also. We don't need them.
0: We don't need them. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. Uh, so we got a great show today, Greg. We have two sleepers of the week, hailing hel- helding from, helding from, <laughs> from, hailing from, hailing from, hailing from, hailing from the same squad. Two sleepers a week from the same squad who, by all intents and purposes, they're on fire right now. So we'll talk a little bit about that down the road. We got recruiting with Greg, we got some top performers Uh, We're going to recap some of the top games from last week We're going to touch a little bit about USC, UCLA Talk a little bit about Sam Darnold's performance last night for the New York Jets And also a little Rams Raiders But before we get to any of that, GB, we always got to rock with you from the get-go The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report Hit us with recruiting How
1: about those Rams? How about we should just start off with them, finish with them, (laughs) and talk about them throughout this whole entire show? That was a beautiful thing, Keith.
0: Yeah, hey, the Rams look really good.
1: I don't even think we played that well. Goff was off. Yeah, no. And they still were able to get it done. Yeah. Offense, defense. Yeah. Um, I just. I don't want to belabor the point. We'll get to him later. But I, I almost saw a repeat of last year's playoff game where they wanted to feed for a golf more than the best player on their team, best player on the offensive side of the ball, which is Todd Gurley, which is why they lost last year in the playoffs. Each to your best player, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do to win games?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, Lakers didn't win championships, championships, championships by having Sasha Vujicic take the last second shots in the game, Shaq and Kobe. I digress. Let's go. Giles Jackson, Keith. Yeah. He's going to a school that we call the University of Michigan. Go Blue. Are you fired up about Giles Jackson going to Michigan?
0: I I am. I am for multiple reasons. Giles is a great kid, unbelievable athlete, terrific football player, newly named Pro Football Hall of Fame All-American. And I think he's going to add a bit of diversity and dynamic playmaking to a otherwise uh, very lame Offense right now for Michigan. <laughs> they need some speed. They need some 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 agility. They need some quickness on that offense. Giles Jackson is the guy who has that in spades.
1: How about another guy who our boy Blair Angulo just saw over the weekend? Troy Fautanu. He's going to Washington, Keith. Keith, uh, Keith, your Keith. Blair just saw him against IMG Academy and said, you know what, this guy is the real deal. Highly underrated, under-recruited, and he more than held his own against Nolan Smith. In fact, he said, after the game, Nolan Smith went up to Troy and said, hey, great game. You're the best player I ever played against. I love that. You know, I love good sportsmanship. Nolan Smith, obviously, um, arguably the the top pass rusher in the country, but Troy, man, he held his own. He is a Athletic tackle slash guard who can play either spot at the next level. I believe Washington wants them as a guard. That's a nice pickup for the Huskies, Keith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, we said this time and time again. Huskies doing a great job with the, the culture, the Polynesian culture, recruiting the Polynesian kids. This kid sounds like he's out of that. Miles Moreau kind of a fit in terms of, athleticism strength on the offensive line football is about speed Greg foot speed in particular when you are talking about the offensive line and defensive line you need it to win you need it to compete on a national level great pickup for the Huskies
1: yeah no doubt speed speed kills at every position how yep. about Tene Nalu from Kapolei Hawaii outside linebacker going to Washington State and then Miles Jernigan a linebacker from outside linebacker from Texas he is going to Cal. So he's going to join our guy, Blake Anzalados. Blake's coming in as an inside guy. Miles Jernigan as an outside guy. So, uh, you mentioned Washington doing a nice job. I really like what Cal's doing this year, too. Really, every, every position, they are filling needs. And, uh, tell you what, man, I know, I think I saw you tweet something about Cal over the weekend. You kind of like what Cal's doing on the, on the field as well. So Jay Wilcox is, uh, He's recruiting well, and they seem to be playing some inspired football right now.
0: You know, there's a distinct difference when you talk about a head coach who has a defensive background versus a head coach who has an offensive background. The Cal program is undergoing a culture change um, inside that locker room, on the grass. They're playing fast on both sides of the ball. They're playing physical. They have a dynamic two-way quarterback deal with uh, Garbers and uh, what's my guy's name? He's from, uh, seen with the South Carolina. He's an Elite 11 kid, McKinley. Yeah, yeah. I think that's his last name, McKinley. And he's a really good, was, Brandon, no, McElwain, I'm sorry, Brandon McElwain, excuse me. Brandon McElwain. McElwain, McElwain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a really good football player, Greg And I liked him yeah. when I saw him at the League 11 a couple of years ago He's a runner, he's a thrower, he's tough He's got a big heart Love what Cal is doing on the football field Defense is running, and hitting, tackling in space Defensive backs are attacking the football Finding the football, making plays on it Shout out to defensive backs coach Gerald Alexander, I really, really like him As a ball coach I think he does an outstanding job And uh, the Cal Bears, man, they're on the move You better look out Uh, Justin Wilcox can coach some ball. He's got a terrific staff, and uh, they're doing a great job recruiting.
1: Yeah, you do. Uh, Coach Alexander, I'll tell you what, man, I saw Cam Bynum playing for Centennial in high school. Always liked him. Thought he was a nice player. I wasn't sure, you know, how much he would play at Cal, but thought it was a great fit because you can get a great great education. But he's balling out, man. He's playing way better than I think. Even, uh, you know, his biggest supporters – Expected so. Good job for Cam and obviously Coach Alexander's coaching those guys up. He had a ton of unofficial visits over the weekend. Keith, um, a few big o- official visits. Well, Kyle Ford, probably the headliner. He visited uh, the Washington Huskies, talked to him after the trip, and he really liked it a lot. I know a lot of people think he's, you know, kind of a USC lock right now, and I do think USC is doing pretty well. Colorado was in the mix, uh, Michigan is in the mix, but he really loved Washington quite a bit. You know, Washington wants one more receiver. Lost out on a couple guys. Mike Pittman, um, Puka Nassia, um Chris Hudson, uh, not Chris Hudson, uh, Josh Delgado, got my Bosco kids mixed up. But Cal yeah. uh, Ford, really, really uh, liked the visit. Like Coach Peterson, like Bush Hamden, like Coach Lubick, um, Matt Lubick. So I don't know if I'm ready to crystal ball Cal Ford to UW, but I do think UW is, is definitely in the mix. You know, Stanford had a huge weekend a ton of unofficial visits, but the headliner out there was Elijah Higgins from Texas, one of the nation's top wide receivers. And, you know, I I think Stanford, you know, they do, they do a phenomenal job when it comes to recruiting and the deal with them is that they get you on campus. They got a great chance to get you. I think one year they officially tripped in like 17 kids and signed all 17. Hmm. Now these were unofficial visits, but guys, committed guys, Kobe Bowman was there, Tristan St. Clair, Caillou Kelly, Austin Jones, and then you mixed in, you know, some, some unofficial uh, some, some, some guys that were uncommitted, like uh, a Josh Bacola, like a Walter Rouse, um, like a John Humphreys 2020 kid, Garen Hatchett, 2020 kid out of Washington. I already mentioned Elijah Higgins, so watch out for Stanford. They had the big win over USC. Uh, defensively, obviously, was the story, although KJ Costello played pretty well. And I think, you know, if you're a kid who's looking at Stanford and you go and, you know, Stanford's not going to ever have an SEC type atmosphere. You don't go to Stanford because you want to play in front of 95,000 screaming fans. You go there for all the other things that they provide. I think Stanford did a nice job uh, with that group, Keith. I would be shocked if they land a couple of those guys. And Elijah Higgins, again, he's the one, I think. Watch out for him. Texas Ohio State on him heavily. But Stanford's got a real good chance to land him.
0: Yeah, I heard about the big weekend. Stanford at home getting a big win versus SC. Actually had a pretty good atmosphere. Uh, Played pretty well on the football field. A lot of recruits in attendance. Coach David Shaw continues to do a very fine job recruiting, bringing in top-notch talent, and developing players inside the program to where they fit into his schemes on both sides of the ball. I like what they're doing for the Cardinal. Great job, Coach David Shaw and company.
1: Speaking of big wins, ASU with a big win over Michigan State and Keon and Kewan Markham, the twins from Lumbee, probably were both there on campus unofficially. That was huge. Um, also, a ton of uh, a ton of um, in-state unofficial visitors. Uh, Matthew Pullumau was probably the headliner there, but get the twins on campus. You know, like, UCLA ASU battle. UCLA is obviously the local school. Antonio Pierce coached the Twins for three years at Poly. The family loves them and trusts him. And when it comes to recruiting, recruiting families, the biggest thing that they're looking for is trust in a coach. I think AP provides that. They like Herm Edwards quite a bit too, Keith. So right now, again, getting the Twins out there, and and I, I think you know we all kind of laugh a little bit at the Herm Edward retire. They're two and zero, big win. They're now ranked, and if they can win some games, they're going to recruit well. You know, you know Herm is going to recruit well, he's a Fiery, energetic guy. AP is going to recruit well. I talked to him for quite a bit. He was at the game. I was at Friday night at the Narbon Centennial game, and it was kind of ironic. He talked. He was gushing about Merlin Robertson, and how Merlin's lost twenty pounds. He's got an ASU. He's doing great in the classroom. He's a leader. All these things that people kind of question. You know, in high school he was kind of a quiet kid. You know, little bit struggling a little bit academically. Now he's doing great. A's and B's. And he went. Guy went out and was national, you know, best player of the of the week. So, uh, props to AP Merlin, ASU, Herm Edwards, the and Twins. Just props to everybody, Keith. Just showing love to everyone associated with the Sun Devil program right now.
0: Leave it on the grass. <laughs> Leave it on the grass, man. I love Herm. Got a chance to work with Herm when I was working with the Under Armour game, and he, he's a, he's an outstanding guy. Like you said, a lot of energy. He's doing an excellent job of managing the the kids, the coaches, the coordinators. He's doing an excellent job, motivating, inspiring. And really being that father figure that young kids need A guy like Merlin Robertson needs someone to have a plan for him Not a plan that he has for the entire group of kids that he's coaching But he needs an individualized plan You ever heard of an IEP, Greg? Individualized educational plan? Merlin needed an individualized life plan I think he found that at ASU with Antonio Pierce on top of him. On top of Antonio Pierce, you got Herm Edwards. Two not only great coaches, but outstanding men. And I think it's going to work out really well for Merlin. Shout out to the Sun Devils. They got it popping in Tempe. I'm loving what I'm hearing. I'm loving what I'm seeing. Enkel Henry is an absolute Heisman Trophy uh, big-time candidate. And uh, the Sun Devils, man, hopefully they can keep it going. I like what's going on out there. Tempe, Arizona.
1: Yeah. Um, Boise State had a couple official visitors, J.L. Skinner and Dylan Hall. Dylan Hall's from Antelope Valley, the kind of the <clears throat> big, long-ranging tight end slash defensive end. And J.L. Skinner is kind of an intriguing kid. He's an athlete uh, from Point Loma High School who – a lot of crystal balls are going Boise State's way. You know, it's a Cal Boise State battle right now. But right now, I think Boise State's got a great chance to get both of those two guys. Um, Dylan Hall, again, uh, a little bit of a project right now. He's not where he's going to be in, in two or three years. He's got all the physical attributes that you want to look for, though. He's got, you know, again, the, the size, the length, the range. He's got a chance to be a pretty good player. Um, like, again, Not there yet, Keith, Yeah, but he's got a chance to get there.
0: Yeah, you know, like you said, GB, I don't want to belabor the point. He's got all the traits. He's twitchy. He's an edge player, um, offense and defense-wise. He just needs to go where his body takes him. If he thickens up, he becomes more of a tight end. If he stays lean, he's more of an outside linebacker, defensive end. In the in the mode of Jabril Frazier, a kid who I used to coach who's at Boise now and is their team captain on defense, Good, I think it's a good fit. Dylan Hall, he's going to be all right.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Uh, official visit, Jay Perk. Jonathan Perkins, who's already committed to Oklahoma, visited Oklahoma officially. Uh, his commitment is rock solid. Uh, Stefan Wright from Cathedral High School, who is four and 0 on the season. Um, he took an official visit to Illinois. Uh, I talked to him. I think, oh, I don't think I know he'd like to visit. I don't see Illinois as an option. I, I think USC is probably the, still the, the solid leader. He's going to visit TCU, also likes Colorado and Washington and Oregon, but I think USC, especially if they turn up the heat on uh, Mr. Stephon Wright, I think they could be the team to beat, but he got to hang out with Hardy Nickerson for a weekend. How do you beat that?
0: It's tough.
1: JoJo Forrest from Mission Bay High School. He took an official visit to Utah State. Uh, Utah State also uh, tripped in CV Nomura from Centennial, who
2: nice. I
1: got to see on Friday. Um, so both those two kids took their first visit out to Utah State. And, Keith, that is going to wrap it up for recruiting notes for the week.
0: No, I like it. CV Nomura, a kid we've talked about at length here on the show liked him in the sp- liked him last year loved him in the spring in the summer and he has started off and had a great year thus far for the centennial huskies and gb speaking of centennial huskies it's time for our sleeper of the week time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week really want to thank our guy Larry Miller he's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight Larry is all about family and community and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country each week young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show so thank you Larry when we have business and a man that is really interested in the community we need to show our support right back at him sit and sleep is the only place
1: that offers advanced sleep technology. great Body Diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Sit and sleep.
0: They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free! free! Yeah. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Alright, our sleeper of the week this week comes from the Centennial Husky program. Matt Logan doing an outstanding job being a head ball coach. I think he's got 10 CIF rings. But two kids that I want to shine a light on, Greg. Quarterback Connor, excuse me, Carter Freeland. Wide receiver Reggie Retzlaff. You got a chance to see these guys up close and in person just last week, Greg, and I want to hear a little bit about it when we recap the games. But let me tell you something. Carter Freeland is a quarterback who makes terrific decisions he's got good accuracy he's got a quick release he's got running ability Not I wouldn't call him a dual threat I just I think he's a capable quarterback of moving the change with his legs I like his leadership ability he gets the ball out uh, again he's accurate and he's got some intangibles Carter Freeland, the transfer from out of day now at Corona Centennial, leading a high powered offense and then Reggie Retzlaff what can I say about this guy He comes out of nowhere as a backup quarterback, gets on the squad, and he's torching everybody. Nobody's guarded him this year. Every game he gets into the end zone, it seems like. He's a catch-and-run guy. He's a fade-over-the-top guy. He's running by you. He's running past you. He's running you over. Reggie Retzlaff, outside receiver, inside receiver. I think he can do both. Carter Freeland. Capable quarterback, delivering the peel, distributing the ball at all three levels with accuracy and anticipation. Those are my sleepers of the week: G. B. Reggie Retzlaff, Carter Freeland, Corona Centennial.
1: Yeah, good kids as well, easy kids to root for. You know, Red Gary Brian is the quickest, probably kid on the team. But I think in a in a flat out race, fifty yards, they say Retzlaff is actually the four five guy, legit four five guy. And when he gets out in the open. Dude, he pulls away from people. I mean, you don't even you don't even get close to the guy. I love the size. And I've always said this and I don't want to belabor it, but former quarterbacks make very good receivers for one simple reason. Nobody understands how to run a route properly better than a quarterback, right? You watch a quarterback and what it what drives drives them nuts more than anything is a receiver running the wrong route, breaking off a route too soon, not running the comeback route, not knowing when to settle on the defense. So When you are a receiver with a quarterback background, you know, you know those soft spots, you know where they are, you know how to run a route properly because you're used to timing those routes as a quarterback. And I think, you know, Red Flap, I don't know where Tintinian would be without him because I talked about it quite a bit last week, Keith. They cannot run the football at all. I mean, they again, they tried and tried, even when it was the fourth quarter and it was over. I mean, the game was over. They still could not get more than two yards carry. And it, it, it's, it's, they're winning games right now, Keith, but we'll get to that later on with the recap. But, man, it, it's going to have to be the quarterbacks, Red Slap, Bryant, uh, Alvarez, they're going to need to carry this team right now offensively because until they get a running game, dude was like 1.7 yards a carry again. Keith, it's just weird watching the Centennial Huskies struggle that badly to run the football when it's been a staple for 20 years.
0: Yeah, um, it's a little bit of a concern. Centennial is known for balance more run than pass right now it seems like they're more 80% pass 20% run they're going to need that balance especially if they're going to make a deep run into that division one playoffs but you talk about difference makers you talk about big time players it's time to get to our top performers GB are you ready to go
1: I'm ready man I'm going to let you lead off and, and close this one out I just got a few guys I'm sure you got tons so why don't you lead it off
0: no doubt about it. Let's get it rocking. Big-time running back out of Jay Sarah High School, junior. Running back Chris Street, 187 yards, three touchdowns versus Pinnacle of Arizona. Running back Isaac Galvan from Orange High School, 200 yards on the ground. Quarterback Jaden Casey, game I was at. Calabasas, 371 yards, six touchdowns. Quarterback Bryce Young, modern day, 16 for 16, 328, four touchdowns. That's a perfect day. Wide receiver, athlete, def- defensive end, Brew. Bruiser Horace McCoy modern High School 5 catches 184 and 4 touchdowns Wide receiver Freshman Dominic Serna Out of Conelga Park 8 catches 150 yards Quarterback Chayden Perry Out of Sierra Canyon 13 for 19 370 And 3 total touchdowns Quarterback Cole Lord 337 yards 4 touchdowns Quarterback Nick Carpino Miracosta 216 yards 3 touchdowns Passing 3 touchdowns Rushing GB Take it over from there
1: now you did some serious work there, man. All the guys I had, you just stole right away <laughs> from me. It's okay, though. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, I just got a couple left then. Go Emma with Keaton it. Jason Garbers, uh, 18 to 28 for three, five, seven, and four touchdowns. Also, rushed for one touchdown. John Humphreys, another big game, six catches, one, five, two, and three touchdowns. Dude, how about Joe Nagata from Folsom? Oh, it pains me to say, Keith, Folsom just put up a 70 spot on our Chaminade Eagles. Yeah. Joe Nagata was the big reason why. Five catches, 173 yards, and three touchdowns after the game. I saw Coach Crozen say, man, that guy is just different. He's like no one else we've seen before. He is different. How about J.P. Andrade from Bonita High School? 272 yards through the air, two touchdowns, and also rushed for a couple scores. Keith, back to you.
0: Yeah, picking up off that Chaminade game, quarterback Caden Bennett, seven total touchdowns. I think he threw for four, ran for three. KB is a problem. There's no question about it. A defending state champion, Folsom, comes down, and they knocked a snot out of Chaminade. Let's move along. Brody McKinnon out of Maricosta, the receiver for Nick Carpino. He had 10 catches, 110 yards, three touchdowns. Defense lineman Drake Jackson out of Centennial, three sacks. Trent Butler out of Agora, he completed 21 of 33 passes, 375 yards, and three touchdowns. All of his touchdown passes went to Gil Levi, who had five catches, 197, and they beat El Camino Real. Let's take it to NorCal, GB. Running back, Austin Jones, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy All-American from Bishop O'Dowd, 12 carries, 213 yards. Wide receiver Jake Green from Colfax. Six catches, 267 yards, four touchdowns. Quarterback Zach Larrier out of Monterey Trail. 171 yards, three touchdowns passing. 163 yards, three touchdowns rushing. Running back Tyrell Smith out of Sheldon High School had five rushing touchdowns. Lastly, Quarterback Logan Sumner out of Clayton Valley. Again, he's a top performer. 11 of 14, 365, and four touchdowns. Let's move it down to San Diego real quick. Lincoln High School. I saw this quarterback in the summer at the USC passing tournament, Raymond Spriggs, and I liked him. 481 yards, seven touchdowns. He threw to Jamad Peanut Monroe, who caught five passes for 261 And four touchdowns, big time games by those two Lincoln teammates. Rancho Buena Vista senior, Dorian Richardson, he's on our list again. 22 carries, 269 yards, three touchdowns. University City's defense, Greg, and I've never heard of this. Their defense at University City, they intercepted three, excuse me, they intercepted seven passes, returning three of them for touchdowns. A defense had three intercepts, excuse me, seven interceptions and in returned three for touchdowns. Tariq Jefferson, he had two interceptions and they balled out. Uh, let's take it to Helix High School. First game for Eli Noah 24 carries, 230 yards, and two touchdowns. He's back and he's better. Running back Jamon McClenda out of Mana Vista. He's on here every week. He had 48 carries GB this week, 235 yards, and he also caught two passes for 26 yards and a 17-yard touchdown. Take it to Nevada. I got one guy, Thorsten Ballmer out of Boulder City. He had 211, receiving, 211 yards rushing and a receiving touchdown and also an interception. Arizona really quick. Quarterback Jacob Conover out of Chandler, big-time player. 24 for 27, 298 yards, 5 touchdowns. Quarterback Chubba Purdy out of Gilbert Perry High School, 25 for 31, 419 and 5 touchdowns. He also had 7 carries, 92 yards and 3 touchdowns. That's 8 total. Quarterback Spencer Rattler from Pinnacle, 26 of 44, 458 yards and 4 touchdowns versus the J. Sarah Lions at a loss. Wide receiver Hendricks Johnson out of Boulder Creek. Boulder Creek. 10 catches, 214 and 3 touchdowns. Running back Austin Clark out of Prescott, 24 carries, 398 yards, 7 touchdowns. Running back B. John Robinson out of South Point Catholic, 23 carries, 276 yards, 4 touchdowns. Wide receiver Andre Johnson out of Toleson, 10 catches, 174, 3 touchdowns. And he also ran three times for 52 yards and 2 touchdowns. I've learned that they do not play defense in Arizona. I got one guy from Utah. You talked about him earlier, Puka Nakua from Orem High School, the wide receiver, USC commit, nine catches, 258 yards, three touchdowns versus that vaunted, vaunted Bishop Gorman-Gale defense who have not been very vaunted this year. They've been like Swiss cheese, and Puka Nakua ate that Swiss cheese even though Orem lost. And that will do it, GB, for Mike. My- what
1: was the score? What was the score of that, Bishop Gorman? It was
0: gave? close. It was close. Uh, I don't have the score on top of me, but I believe it was like 36, 31 or something of that nature. It was close.
1: So, Gorman, that's, I think that's their first win of the year, right? They it had is. A, yes. a couple of tough losses earlier. I got a, I got just a couple more to mention Jaden Casey to kind of piggyback on that one. Jermaine Burton was his top target. Yes. Five catches, 158, and two touchdowns. Uh, Alonzo Hall from Reseda had four sacks last game. Keith, that's a lot of sacks.
0: AGH. Four. Alonzo Gray yes, Hall. Sir.
1: Yes, sir. And then, uh, Jay Sarah, how about this game for Sean Nelson, The San Diego State commitment. He had three sacks and at, at seven tackles, three sacks, and then two touchdowns as a 260-pound fullback. So him and Chris Street are both doing work. In the backfield, that must have been the game of the weekend. I wish I could have seen that one. I know uh, one of our guys, Gerard Martinez, was at that game and said it was pretty incredible. But yeah, Jay, Sarah had to rally from behind to beat a really, really good pinnacle team, number one team in Arizona. So, props to you, Sean Nelson. Three sacks, couple touchdowns, and I think is that it for me. I think that might be it for me. Yeah, that might that be it, it for me. Absolutely, yeah, it for me. absolutely. Yeah.
0: It's time to get to our game recaps. If I'm not mistaken, GB, I might have been undefeated in my picks. From this past week, my man. I think you were. I think I, I think was. You were. I'm kind of hot and on fire always, right now.
1: Your, your, yeah, your your scores weren't always as accurate, but your picks were pretty clean for this week. Absolutely. Why don't you get us started? Uh, okay, I was gonna say why don't you get us started, but I'll get us started. Okay. Say, you you what? You were, I, yeah. We okay. I'll get, yeah. Sure. Lineup.
0: I can guess. Let's get us started with Calabasas, La Habra. Calabasas on the roll, going to face La Habra. Really good game. La Habra started off fast. They were up 20-7. Clark Phillips caught a touchdown. Ryan Zanelli was tossing the peel around. Again, they had a 20-7 lead. Calabasas was kind of sputtering on offense. They kind of closed late in the half. I think they were maybe down a touchdown. And then the second half came, and just like against Upland versus La Habra, La Habra seemed to just run out of gas in the second half. A lot of guys going both ways. Calabasas put their foot on a gas pedal. Casey getting the ball out quick. Burton breaking tackles. Going the distance. Finding Johnny Wilson in the middle of the field. Early and often to Michael Pippen to the outside. And uh, they were just dinking and dunking their way down the field. And guys were making people miss, breaking tackles. And LaHabra just seemed to run out of gas, Greg. Just heavy legs in the second half. Doomed them again. It was a really good game. But Calabasas ends up pulling away. And, uh... Yeah Calabasas Goes on a roll They get a big W Versus the La Habra Highlanders But again A a, a very good game atmosphere Very festive A lot of energy in the stadium Treated really well Got a chance to say hello To Coach Mazada You know I know it was a tough loss La Habra the best 0-4 team In the land But they couldn't get it done At home Versus the Coyotes
1: I'm curious about the the game within the game. Who was Clark Phillips matched up more so with Burton, uh, Johnny Wilson, or Michael Pittman?
0: He more or less played a side. He didn't play a player. He played his usual kind of left side most of the time, whether it was Pittman, whether it was Wilson, whether it was Burton. Um, But Calabasas had the game plan, which was totally evident to me as a spectator. They just went away from Clark Phillips. If he was on the left, they threw it the ball to the opposite side. Then La Habra moved him to the other side where they were throwing the ball, and then they would throw it away from Phillips the other way. So a good game plan by the Coyotes head coach, uh Chris Claiborne and their offensive staff. Keep the way, keep the ball away from Clark Phillips. That's a great idea, a great plan. They did that. It paid dividends in the second half. Again, La Habra had dead legs in that second half, just could not keep up for four quarters. Quarterback Ryan Zanelli looked good. Mitch Anderson looked good, getting separation in the first half. Um, they just couldn't keep it going again for four quarters. I do believe depth um, is the culprit. GB.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess obviously when you have three elite receivers like Calabasas does, it doesn't really do any good just to you know have Clark match up with one guy. They're gonna they have two other guys, so might as well just keep him on whatever his most comfortable side is. Yep. Um, hey, the game I was at, Keith, was Centennial-Narbonne. Uh, the final score was 42-23. to uh, Narbon scored two touchdowns in the last few minutes of the game. Um, for all intents and purposes, this one was, was over pretty early. Uh, my takeaways were Centennial's defense is really good, especially up front. I mean, they get after the quarterback. I mean, they swarm the quarterback. You mentioned Drake Jackson. I thought Corey Foreman was really good as well. Malik Scerlock's good in the middle. Drake probably played as good as I've seen him. I mean, He's a man amongst boys right now. Secondary wise, um, Narbonne scored. I uh, want to say, kind of remember who the guy who scored the touchdown was. It was a nice throw from Jalen Henderson. Uh, kind of late in the first half, give them some, give them some life. But from there, it was just the Centennial passing game, and it's they're they're so fun to watch that passing game because it, it's everything is just. It's so timing-based. Timing, based,
2: timing where they're absolutely. Dropping
1: and throwing to spots. I mean, everything is you're throwing to a spot. They're throwing to a spot before the receiver even is out of his break, whether it be, you know, the outs, the crossing stuff, even the deeper balls are all timing predicated. And, you know, you mentioned Freeland threw the ball really well. Red Slap is, is definitely a college prospect. I talked about after the game. He said he's not getting much recruiting attention at all right now, and I think that's because, you know, the camps he did, he worked out as a quarterback. So, now he's up playing a new position. I, I think once the film gets out, I think schools will, will take notice because he does have all the physical attributes in terms of the size and speed, the hands, smart kid. So Centennial rolled 42-23, to, four, uh, 42 to 23, and Narbonne has a game against Sarah this coming weekend. That's going to be the, the last of the sit They have a couple of guys. Jake Garcia uh, will be coming back. Um, Penny's coming back. I'm trying to think if they have any other guys that are sitting. Oh, Josh uh, Josh Johnson yes, is coming back. So those guys will help. But I think more than more that those guys coming back, they're going to get into league play. <laughs> and that's going to be... That's definitely going to gonna help. help. I, I think people are going to, you know, when they get those guys back and people are going to say, oh my God, that, that was the difference. Well, no, you're not playing St. Louis. And you're not playing Long Beach Polly and Centennial the world. So, right. uh, but having, having those guys back will help for sure. Narbonne, you know they can they can get better, and then Centennial. I just want to see him run the football. I just just at least a little bit, and if I could get it. wasn't like they didn't try. They were trying. They were getting stuffed over and over and over and over again. Keith, it was uh, it, it was like I said, it was bizarre seeing them not able to run the football at all
0: yeah that's um that's not something that we've seen here and i won't even just say you know on a consistent basis or on a regular basis i've never seen centennial not been able to run the football that's like you know that's just something that i have not witnessed myself they've been running able to run off ball on everybody for the last 10 years And Coach Logan talked about how that offensive line is going to be fairly young and new this year, and obviously they're having their struggles. But their passing game is getting it done, and uh, congratulations to them. They're off to a 4-0 start, and they got the sleepers of the week and Reggie Radcliffe and Carter Freeland, and we know they got a bunch of other players. So great job, Huskies. Let's move along, Jimmy.
1: You know who I I did love for Narbonne, though, Keith, was Jordan Banks, the 2020 defense bat outside linebacker. Tell you what, along with Drake Jackson, Jordan was the best player on the field. He was unbelievable. They kind of lined him up, you know, on, as a defensive end. I, I think he plays a lot of outside linebacker too, but in this game he was mostly a defensive end. But they couldn't block him. He was in the backfield a ton. Some huge hits in the running game. Some huge hits on the quarterbacks. Uh, Oregon had offered him that same day. So he was kind of fired up, fired up about that one. So Jordan Banks, just a twenty twenty kid. I'll tell you what, man, he's, he's a pretty special, pretty special athlete for sure.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask about him, but I heard I've heard great things. Can't wait to see him in person.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, he plays hard too, so that's always good to see. Yeah, how about that, Sarah Long Beach Poly game? Talk about you know, uh, along with the Pinnacle J. Sarah, this one was was up there, twenty nine to twenty five for for Sarah took that win. Polly was up nineteen and nothing, Keith. Yeah, nineteen to nothing had three turnovers in a row uh, toward the end of the first half. Sarah capitalized and scored. A touchdown in the field goal uh, make it 19 to 10 at the half but man, I, I don't get to watch some of these highlights it was uh, it was a Fox game so I saw yeah, a lot of highlights but man talk about having a clutch gene Doug Brumfield hitting Ron Ron Gilliam on fourth and 15 and I don't have to get to see the catch it was all over Twitter it was an unbelievable throw and catch I mean Doug threw it he got drilled right as he threw it and Ron had to jump over a guy arms fully extended, pulled it in 33 yards on a fourth and 15, and then he hit Melquan uh for a touchdown just a few plays later to get that win. Now, this all happened the last two minutes of the game, and then they helped, you know, Pauly one last time on a defensive stand. They didn't start off great for Sarah. Pick six on the first play of the game. Long Beach Pauly takes that one back. Big lead for Pauly. They're feeling good. And then Sarah, man, they just rallied. And again, I, I love a quarterback who's clutch. And you've said it before, about Brumfield. It just, it's not always pretty. You know, every ball doesn't always come out. It's not always the most accurate ball, but in the clutch, man, the guy just has that gene to get it done. And he's really stepped up his game. And I'm also happy for, for Ron Ron because he had a couple drops in the last couple of weeks that I've seen him. Uh, this time, man, big time catch, 33 yarder, calves with a big win, Keith.
0: Two things stand out um, as you break that game down. Number one, Doug Bromfield, Ron Ron Gilliam, I know what they're made of. They come out of the Carson Colts Pop Warner program. It's where I grew up, where I played. We breed dogs over there, and when you breed dogs, you're going to end up making a play. You you may have some drops. It might always look pretty, but at the end of the day, you're going to step up and make a play when the time calls for it. So I believe in those guys. That's number one. Number two, That Long Beach Poly offense still struggling. You get up 19-0, and you only get a touchdown the rest of the game. That lack of offensive production really came back to bite them in the second half versus Sarah. But a, a big win for my alma mater. I said the game would rest on Doug Brumfield's left arm. He came through. Made some big time throws and some crucial situations. Ron Rongelia made plays. Melquan Stovall made plays. Lv Bunkley made plays. And the Sarah Cavaliers, I think they're three and one now. They're looking good moving forward. Uh, you know, bounce back from that cathedral Catholic game. And and, and the Cavaliers, man, they've have a host of underclassmen that can play with anybody in the state of California. They have to continue to improve up front in the defensive trenches. Can't let five foot seven, hundred pounds guys run all over you. They play with a chip on their shoulder. They got the job done. Nice job out of Cavaliers.
1: Yeah, neither team could really, could really run the football. And we talked about that last week for Sarah. And, and that's why, you know, when you get a 19-0 lead, you know, logic would say, okay, just start pounding the ball on the ground and try to wear the team down and, and kill some clock, but Pauly wasn't really able to do that, and Sarah, you know, they had a, they had a late in the first half, first and goal on the four-yard line and try to run it in three times in a row, got two yards out of those three carries and then incomplete pass, so they couldn't get a, a, a late punch in to touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, you, you gotta be able to run the football and you gotta be able to stop the run. That's always gonna be my concern with Sarah, but from a skill standpoint, like you said, they, they had the skill skill players to play against anybody. How about Servite over Roosevelt? 32-13 to 13, was actually much closer than that. Uh, Servite tacked on two late touchdowns, but it was a one-score game late in the game. Uh, Cade Fuller, <clears throat> my guy, had two interceptions. Nice. Wentz, yeah. Uh, Derek Wentz rushed for three touchdowns. The Servite Friars are, I want to say, 3-0 because they had a bye. Sure. So they are sereno right now and playing with a ton of confidence. And you got to be happy. you got to be happy for, uh, for Troy. I think they had four interceptions total in this game. Kay might mention had two of them. So and that's, that's just Troy Thomas football. Just tough, smash mouth, in-your-face, gritty, weight room strong, highly competitive, play hard, brotherhood, credo, all that good stuff. Servite's so so doing it
0: right now, Keith. No, I like it. And one thing that's really jumped out to me is their defensive playmaking. You go back to that Bakersfield game, they had pick six to kind of extend the lead. K. Fuller with two this week. They get two more uh, by the defense. There's four INTs. Their defensive backfield making plays on the football and, and uh, really, hey, shutting it down in that no-fly zone. Servite getting ready and prepared for Trinity League action. It's going to be a step up in competition from from from, from Eastville Roosevelt but the Friars in the high school football at least if you have some discipline not some, if you have great discipline if you have great toughness and you play for four quarters without turning over the ball you got a chance to win. Servite has a chance to win in the Trinity League. This year, now, G- GB, not two years down the road. I'm talking now. We'll see how it shakes out.
1: We will see how it shakes out. Hey, how about I mentioned it earlier. Chaminade, who's got one of the better defenses, parentally, gave up 70 points. And the first thing I saw when I saw 70 points, I was thinking, dude, how good is De La Salle? Who shut out that Folsom defense. Yeah. And then number two, God, what the heck happened to Chaminade in this game? Obviously, you mentioned the stars for Folsom, yeah. the Nagata brothers, Bennett. All put up gigantic numbers. But man, I I never thought I'd see the day where a Chaminade team would give up seventy. They got Bosco next week, Keith. And that you know, Ed Croson loves to schedule up. That's that's how he's always done it. That's how he always will done it. He was on the podcast with us and said, Hey, he likes to do that to be able to find out what his team's weaknesses are. You find out a lot more playing against a good team than you do playing against a, a bunch of slappies. And right now, man, Chaminade, they're taking on all comers. they played Oaks Christian. they played Bosco. They've played—next uh, week they'll play Bosco. they played Bolsom. Yeah. But, dude, that was a shellacking.
0: Talked about it on the Friday matchup show, GB. I don't know if you remember this, but listened to the matchup show the other day while I was on the treadmill— Said, I don't know if Shamanad's back seven can stay with the skill of Folsom. I said, I think they're gonna have problems guarding those guys. They do not have the athletes, they do not have the speed, they cannot match up, and it's gonna be issues on the back end. There you go. Caden Bennett, seven total touchdowns. Joe Nagata, he goes Jerry Rice on. Chaminade and that defense is struggling In particular they're struggling When people spread them out Greg Because when you spread a team out It puts you in a bind It puts you in a one on one matchup Bind And if your kids can't run As well as as well as well the other kids And make plays They're going to get exposed And uh, it seems like that's what's happening To that Chaminade secondary They're struggling uh, And that's to put it mightily so, hopefully they can bounce back against the number one quarterback in the country and the number one team in the country next <laughs> That's week tough. On,
1: tough. on Friday. Oh, I mean, Boss doesn't have anybody like Joe Nagata, but they got like five guys that are pretty dang good, and probably more than that if you include, you know, include the tight end. So, that back end is going to get a workout for sure. <laughs> They're hey.
0: going to get a workout.
1: Oh. Absolutely. Goodness. You know, my, my thought in the game, Keith, was I just I thought Chaminade, and I didn't take them to win, obviously, but I thought they could use the davis Salle formula, and that's just put pressure on Bennett to constantly hit him. You know, you mentioned the back end, but they do have, you know, physical players up front, and just turn those guys loose and hit the quarterback in the mouth over and over and over again so those receivers can't get loose. That's what davis Sal does every time they play Folsom. It's one step, drop, bang. Two step, drop, bang. I thought they'd be able to have some success, laying some wood on the quarterback. Obviously, that did not happen. That yeah, about two games left, Keith. Yeah, final thoughts
0: Yeah, just Shawanite is not De La Salle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. But yeah, Obviously. I hear you. I, I think that's everybody's playing against Folsom, Greg. But I mean,
1: they're not—they're not Oceanview High School either. No, no, I, they're my, not. I see how four. No, but they're, they're not. They're not a bunch of scrub. They got three or four legitimate. D1 Absolutely guys on that defense. So, come on, Eagles. Hey. We got two games. We got two games left. Keith. Yeah, uh, we got Alamedy Oaks, Christian. Oaks won that one pretty easily, fifty-six to fourteen. Yeah. Uh, and then Jay Sarah rallied to beat Pinnacle, and what had to be the game of the weekend, forty-two to thirty-five. Oaks was a weird game. Looked at the stat sheet. Um, Alameda actually had more yards, total yards, but Oaks kind of put it away early. Scored in all three levels, uh, offense, defense. Special teams, Bryce Farrell, uh, touchdown receiving, touchdown on a punt return. Talk about a dad who gets it. I sat next to Jason, Bryce's dad, uh, two weeks ago in San Diego, came mm-hmm. for the honor ball. Yeah, And obviously we talked about it. Oaks, is the, they, they don't throw the ball that well, right? They're, they're struggling. Josh Calvin's a great player, but he's not a great quarterback right now throwing it. And Jason, his dad, just said, yeah, you know what? That's fine. You know, we know we, we, we run the ball, you know. We know where our strengths are. It's not going to be a great physical year for Bryce, but that's okay. He, you know, he's going to have, do his best, and when he throws it, he'll catch it. I've heard so many dads, and so have you probably, who their team could be up 40, and they're disgruntled because their kid didn't get enough touches. And maybe it's because Bryce already going to Stanford. But it was refreshing, Keith, just to hear a dad who actually has a, a level head and doesn't have a, just a, a complete loss of reality like so many of the parents do. But it was good to see Bryce go off. I say all this to say it was good to see Bryce go off and get a couple of tubs. Zach Charbonnet, only seven carries. They had 129 yards and a touchdown. The Lenthal brothers are both very good. Jack Lenthal and his brother Nate. Nate had a pick six in this one, Keith. So nice job by Oaks. 56-14. to 14. They're a Division One team right now. And I'm really curious to see how they're going to do when the playoffs go around. I'm not trying to overlook league play because so they got Westlake who's very good but I, I'm interested to see Oaks when they go and play against, you know, a J. Sarah, a Bosco, a, Dei, a Centennial. It's going to be pretty intriguing for me.
0: You know, they have a complete team. I think offensively, defensively, and special teams wise, Oaks has a complete team. They have different makers at, difference makers at all three levels on all three sides of the ball um, if you ask me. So at this point, can they continue to improve, like you said, Greg, that passing game? Can it become efficient? Can they execute consistently? Can they move the sticks when they need to put the ball in the air? That'll be the question moving forward. But they actually roll on Alameda. And uh, we got one more. You said J. Sarah, my J. Sarah Lions versus Pinnacle. What do you got, GB?
1: Yeah, I do want to give a shout-out to a couple guys for Alamany. And uh, Donovan West, Casey Klassen, sent me the video. He did a great job blocking Kavon Thibodeau in that game. And Miller Moss, quarterback for Alamany, wasn't a great statistical game, but he hung in there for a young sophomore, took a couple shots, didn't flinch. I'm a big fan of toughness when it comes to playing the quarterback position. Absolutely. Shout out to those two guys. Hey, so Jay Sarah Keith. Um, Pinnacle. It was it was Pinnacle early. Uh, they had a lead at the half. I think they're at at one point it was twenty one to seven. And I think this was kind of the play of the game, but kind of almost if I can use the word, inexplicable. Mm. So Jay Sarah, they're down twenty one to seven. Yeah. Pinnacle is on their own ten yard line and they try a fake punt, Keith. On their own 10 yard line, up 21 to 7.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: That's, and I'm not talking about the, you know, they don't have the formula. You know, there's the guy in Texas who punts every time. Yeah. Have you sure heard that story? That's like, there's a coach. Yeah, no,
0: like, like he won't that, never punt, right? It doesn't matter. He's a, math,
1: he's, a, he's a math major. He's like a statistics freak and he crunched. No, that, they, they actually do punt, but they didn't punt. They tried to fake punt on their own 10. Jay Sarah stopped it, went in and scored a touchdown. All of a sudden, it's 21 to 14. And they kind of. I don't want to say that was a play of the game, but um, tell you what, man, that was a huge win because Pinnacle was really, really good. Number one team in the state. Spencer Rattler did play. He missed the last two weeks, but he did play in this one. Threw for uh, four, five, eight, yeah, and four touchdowns. Uh, did have one interception. Um, Caden Bell had a big game, two forty-nine and a touchdown. Um, not only did Spencer Rattler play, but Junior McLean made his debut. Uh, Six catches, ninety-seven yards, and a touchdown, Keith. So it was great to see him come back, and not just come back, but be an impact player sure. with those six for ninety-seven. Uh, one of our favorite guys, Tyler Shimamura, seven catches for one forty-seven. Um, so the stars definitely came out for Jay Sarah. You know, obviously they gave up a lot of points defensively, but shoot, they got the W, and that was a big, big win. I mentioned Sean Nelson already with the three sacks and two touchdowns playing fullback. Good stuff. Big win for said. That is that is their biggest win of the year, even bigger than the Calabasas win because I had that much respect for Pinnacle as a, as a football team and program.
0: Yeah, no, Pinnacle's been building that program since Spencer Rattler got there. I remember seeing them three years ago, um, and they were good. They weren't as good as they are now, they, but they were good. You could tell they were going to be on the rise, and they had a group of young kids. They're now all now seniors. Jay Sarah is a legit contender in Division One. Uh, I've been saying this. I think we know this. They're one of the more balanced teams in the state of California, at least Southern California. Caden Bell can throw it and run it. Chris Street is a dynamic runner. They got elite receivers on the outside that can make plays. They have a very physical offensive line. Their defensive line is led by Nielsen. They have two monster inside linebackers in Genova and Clanton. On the defensive backfield, they got players that can make plays. Zamajay Duncan's a, a star in the making as a sophomore corner. Jay Sarah, they need to tighten down defensively. I know Spencer Rattler is a big time player. Pinnacle's a great program. Jay Sarah needs to tighten down defensively. Can't give up a ton of yards, excuse me, a ton of points. Um, when you play a good offense, you gotta be able to contain those guys. Not stop them, but contain them. Jay Sarah, Lions. A player In the Division 1 Championship race You know you heard it here first On the transparent truth The Lions If they can continue to stay balanced On offense Stop the run on defense And play lockdown coverage Led by Duncan in the secondary They have a chance to knock off One of those two big schools GB
1: I agree man I concur I concur fully. Now, can we get to what the people really want to talk about? That's the Los Angeles Rams (laughs) on their way to a 16-0 season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just kind of bringing this baby, wrapping this baby up. Let's talk a little bit about the Rams Raiders last night. Rams Raiders. We're going a
1: half hour right
0: now. (laughs) Rams Raiders last night. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the energy in the stadium. Um, I enjoyed the black hole atmosphere. Chucky being back on the sideline. Chucky being. John Gruden, um, his pupil Sean McVay, the, the LA Rams head coach. But I think one thing stood out for me was Todd Gurley is special, has always been special. He needs to get the ball fifty percent of the time. He's, the, I mean, you know, he's your present day Eric Dickerson for the Los Angeles Rams, and you need to feed that guy the pill. They've got a good offensive line. They have a group of receivers led by Robert Woods. I like Cooper Cut, But Brandon Cro- Cooks was the real surprise for me. Played a much bigger role than I anticipated him playing coming into the season, Greg. And really created some, some, some dynamic separation in the slot, on the outside. His speed was a big factor taking a top off that Raiders secondary. Still not a huge fan of of Jared Goff, but I am a huge fan of Todd Gurley. And the Rams get the W pull away in the second half. The Raiders, not enough weapons offensively, and they couldn't get to the quarterback defensively. They probably missed a guy by the name of Khalil Mack, who just had a Hall of Fame game versus the Green Bay Packers as a Chicago Bear. Uh, But I didn't like their weapons on the outside, Greg. I thought. Jared Cook, the tight end, was really good and athletic and long and remind me of Jaleel Billingsley over at uh, Midwest Boom. But they just didn't have enough speed. They didn't have any difference makers. Or at least they didn't get him the ball. Uh, we know they have the kid from Alabama, who, you know. Yeah, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. But who else? You know, this, this is the NFL. Th-
1: yeah, but the thing was, Keith, and I agree with everything, you know, I, I don't dislike Jared Goff. I just don't love him yet. Yeah, I- I'm hoping he continues to develop. You mentioned Cooks. he, yeah. he was open deep twice. Got underthrew him. Yeah, yeah. I drew a penalty. I think they said Cooks drew like 60 yards in penalties. But yes. I-, I prefer a touchdown over a penalty. Sure. And then he just—I feel like he telegraphs his reads. Uh, you-, you can tell there was four or five balls. I even tweeted out there was four or five plays where he literally—you can tell—where he said in his mind before the playman started, I'm throwing the ball to this guy no matter what. Because he would take a step, uh, he'd take a drop, he'd have plenty of time to go through a a progression, and he's getting the ball out to a guy who's triple covered, not open, was never open, not even close to being open. I'm going, dude, there's got to be somebody else. you got dudes, but going back to the Raiders and weapons, you know, Derek Carr, they showed the average time for a quarterback to throw was 2.7 seconds, and he was getting off in 2.1. I think that was because the Bram's pass rush is really good. So, they couldn't really allow those receiver, those radar receivers, to maybe get down the field. Everything was like just a couple of quick drops, and then the throw was going out. Jerry Cook, like you mentioned, he's a former Rams who I couldn't stand because he couldn't catch anything with the Rams. Then he goes to the Raiders. He looked great, and I mean, he had a great year with the Packers last year. He did. He and I'm did. going, where is this guy? Mm-hmm. With the, I mean, he, would, he he's a physical freak. Yes, I mean, he would break, he would break open, and then drop the football. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like it reminded me of, you know, a classic Eric Yarber's line million dollar route 10 cent finish that was that was Jared Cook I was really impressed with John Gruden you know the, the difference in talent level was pretty dramatic for me I thought the, not sure. just being a homer the Rams have dudes yeah. everywhere I mean they got Rockish uh, Peters Akeem Talib, very very good cover corners they got good safeties linebackers are just okay the D-line is tremendous offense weapons everywhere I'm with you give a girl the ball 25 times a game I don't want to wear them out So if that's the strategy of maybe keeping him fresh to the end of the year, I'll take it. But I still want him to be featured more. The Raiders didn't really have anyone that scared you. No. And they were up for a large part. And I thought the play calling by Gruden was really good. Those guys played hard. I thought they schemed well. And, again, talent discrepancy I thought was pretty big. But Gruden kind of kept them in the game. So I think the Raiders are going to end up being pretty good just because of Gruden. But um, it was fun. It was a fun Monday Night Football game and had a good time. And, I'm hoping, Keith, it's just a, just a building block of a – I deserve this, Keith. You do. I'm not just saying this. It's been a long, <laughs> frustrating time for me as a Rams fan.
0: A long if 30 years.
1: This, if anyone deserves this, <laughs> it would be GB.
0: Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And just to – don't want to belabor it. Gruden, I thought, did a great job scheming. One thing about being a coach, Greg, some guys are good pre-game. Scheming and John Gruden is great in pregame scheme. He puts the hours in. He finds the edges. He finds the matchups. Here's one thing I'm not a fan with Gruden: his adjust his in-game adjustments after pregame scheming. See, there's there's two sides to that, right? And he's outstanding in pregame, right? During the week, he's outstanding putting together a game plan. But he, I've never been a fan of his in-game adjustments. So once. Your pregame plan works and has become successful. And the other team has adjusted. Now you have to have your adjustments ready. And I never was a fan of John with that part of his coaching repertoire. I think it showed maybe a little bit last night as well. Because once they kind of took away Cook, he had nothing really to go to, right? He had nothing to really go to. I, I couldn't see his, his fingerprints on that second half. So I, I think maybe limited weapons probably has something to do with it, but I really like this Rams team. I'm going to be watching them all year. They're a fun group. I think Talib and and Peters, they bring the swag to the group. They're playing with unbelievable confidence and, and energy and effort and enthusiasm. I just like watching those guys get down. But, man, Gurley looked good last night. Let's move along. USC goes on the road. They take an L to Stanford. They don't look good in taking that L. Often struggled a ton. I chose Stanford to win that game. It was a re- revenge game for Stanford. They lost in the Pac-12 championship. SC coming in with a true freshman quarterback on the road. They were destined to take an L that game. Uh, JT Daniels struggled. Amon ra couldn't get the football. Um, the defense... Played solid. Didn't, they didn't play poorly. They didn't play great. I thought they played solid. Whiteside, Arcega, white side for Stanford. I thought he looked really good as a receiver. K.J. Costello, again, thought he looked pretty good as the quarterback. But SC takes an L on the road. UCLA goes on the road. They take an L, but I think a little bit of a respectable L. Dorian Thompson, I thought, took a step forward in his development from week one to week two. The offensive line, Chris Murray. I don't know if you got a chance to watch him. He's got some 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 highlights on Twitter, GB. But he's punishing people in the interior. Quite as kept, Chris Murray might have been the best player on that modern day team last year. I know Amon Ra gets a ton of the praise. J.T. Daniels was the player of the year. I'm just talking
1: football player. This Chris Murray is special. <laughs> and he's good, man. Hey, let, let, let's go back. Let's go back to the USC game real quick. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to be controversial or, or not. But so week one, Amon Rock caught, what nine, ten balls. Yes. Do you think, Keith, of course. the fact that he wasn't targeted uh-huh. has anything to do with the fact that they got like maybe you know, three or four other receivers that are upperclassmen? Of course. Who, I, I, and I have no knowledge of this. I'm just curious though. I know how I know how it works. I know how five-star athletes think. They want their touches. They want their love. Of course. I'm just wondering during the week if there was any conversations about man. It's funny. You mentioned that. If, if you're going to throw the ball to your boy all year, it's going to be a long season for you. You're going to, you're going to, you know what I'm saying? You know, where I'm going with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to speak to that really quickly if I can. So I do have knowledge. Uh, the receiver, the receiving group, they did have a meeting with officer coordinator, T Martin and T Martin quote unquote said, it was not a very nice meeting. And you can imagine why. You got your boy from high school with you, you're targeting 10 times. Michael Pittman, I don't think, had a catch. I think Tyler Vons had one catch in game one. So now you come to a point where Michael Pittman's a junior. He's thinking about his draft status. Tyler Vons, he's thinking about his draft status. Everybody's thinking about the nobody, nobody's thinking about the team and what's best for the team. Everybody's thinking about I. Not my type of football, GB. Not my type of football, and you see how that may have affected the team going on the roll, playing against maybe one of the favorites to win the Pac-12. The yeah, you know, Stanford.
1: Stanford's good. I mean, they're and they're yeah. so smart. Yes. You talk about you know you talk about John Gruden with the in-game adjustments. You know, I think Stanford is one of those teams that they do a great job of that and. You knew they're going to have some different schemes and and disguises for JT that he, n- he never saw before. I didn't see the first half, so yeah. I guess I know he went out for a while. with they say his hand on on someone's helmet. Yeah, he just looked like he was he was pressured quite a bit. And when he did have time, um, he like he was still feel like he was pressured. He was probably the most pressure that he's seen in a game in
0: a couple years, of years, sure,
1: or or since the Bosco game a couple of years ago. So yeah, I, I, I still feel like. I still believe in, in JT, and I think just watching the game, um, I love KJ Costello. He's one of my all-time favorite kids. I was happy to see KJ play well. But I feel like if those two teams meet again, I think I think it could be a different story. I just think, just looking at the, the matchup, I picked Stanford to win also. Um, but I, I feel like end of the year, it might be different once the offense gets going and JT gets more comfortable and he sees some of those things before. Because Stanford's offense never really... Does it for me? I, I feel like, you know, you've got to give David Shaw a ton of credit because he's done something at Stanford that no one has ever done or ever will do. I mean, he's made them a national power. And people don't realize that before Harbaugh got there, Stanford was like a laughing stock. They were like oh, win 11 or 12, yeah. yeah. So I credit David Shaw, but, man, he is so stinking vanilla. And I feel like his margin for error to win and lose games is always so small. He could, he could have way more talent than you. But it's always going to be a close game because <laughs> because of how he calls the game. It, they don't blow anybody out when they really could, if he wanted to. You know, and again, he, he wins football games, right? At the end of the day, you got to win. Just win, baby. But just sometimes, stylistically, you watch and you're going, "Oh my gosh, just give me something more than that." But I'll, I'll contradict myself and say, "Hey, at the end of the day, you got to win games, and he does it as good as anybody." So. Props to props to him.
0: He made an interesting point, Greg, at the end of the game. They interviewed him and they and they asked him about USC. He said, you know, I want to be respectful when I say everybody always talks about the great athletes USC has. He says, But we have great athletes too.
1: I think that was petty. A little bit. I didn't like that. I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't think that was necessary. Like you you just gotta win. You're kind of you're going you're giving a you're complimenting your team. Why even say you know, everyone talks about USC that, like, just just answer the question. It was a great win for you. I just seemed, It struck me as petty.
0: I think it was more of a recruiting ploy. I think it was more of recruiting speech. I think he was sending out a signal to great athletes, kind of like a call to arms. Hey, the great athletes don't just go to one place. We have great athletes here, and we're going to continue to get great athletes so we can beat teams like USC. That's
1: what I felt like. But I mean, you can see them. You can see you have great athletes. Yeah, USC absolutely. has better athletes than every team outside of maybe five or six teams in the whole entire country. It's not like – I almost feel like he took it as an insult that he mentioned the great athletes that USC had. I mean, just – I don't know.
2: Yeah.
1: It, it just struck me as a little bit – and, I, and I've, seen, I've seen David Shaw like that before. He answers questions sometimes where I feel like he gets, you know, offended. At, yeah. I've seen him in press conferences. I went to Pac-12 Media Day a few times in a row and someone will ask a question and like, you just feel like, dude, lighten up it's football. You guys just got a big win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hey, listen, competitors can get perturbed and, uh, they can get a little irritated and frustrated about a narrative or a particular perspective that's out there. And, You know, they might not show you that it's eating them up or bothering them, but, you know, at some point in time that's going to come out, and it sounds like it did at the end of last game. But nevertheless, the Cardinal they get the big home win versus SC, and uh, we got a new week of football coming up. Excited. Can't wait to get it rocking and rolling. GB, we got a Friday matchup show. Can't wait for everybody to tune in. We're going to be talking about the latest and greatest matchups here in Southern California. Preview the top players, coaches, and games in the Southern section. But without further ado... It's time to bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.